Welcome to Four Points and Friends, the podcast that discusses Indigenous media by Indigenous media makers. I'm your host, Luella Bryn. This is a Four Points Audio Productions podcast. Computer. Welcome to Four Points and Friends. We have another amazing episode for you, and I have a guest, one of my favorite people. I'd like her to introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I am Jordan Benibigay. I'm Dene. Um, introduce myself, um, our Dene Way. And I am the editor of Indian Country Today. Um, it's a new position and probably about a month in. <laughs> nice. And um, the it's quite an honor too, because even I'm the first native woman to be the top editor in all the 40 years of Indian Country Today. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and I'm also based in Washington, DC um, at one of our bureaus here. So I've been out with the organization for three a little over three years now so that's that's me <laughs> that's really cool i always wanted to work for Indian country today hey and you're hiring yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you told me i used to freelance for them years ago uh-huh. i think when the new york tribe owned them oh, oh i didn't know that no or before crazy. maybe be okay. even before that too it's been years. I've been at the game for years. <laughs> so, um, so you're editing now. So how did you get from point A to point B? Um, from reporter position to editor? From Even from student. Student? Tell oh me God. your journey, your beautiful hey. journey. <laughs> it's a long one. I definitely did a career switch. Um, so I was actually focused on going into medicine um, and that kind of narrowed down in undergrad one, I focused and found the athletic training program at Fort Lewis college. Um, I bounced around a little bit and transferred to different schools because, because I wanted to be in like research and focusing and, and hoping to work for the center for disease control and prevention one day um, that didn't work out. <laughs> so I focused on athletic training and I thought, oh, I could do this and also be a physician assistant. Um, cause doctors, I mean, kudos to all the doctors out there, but, um, I feel like you deal with insurance more and don't get enough patient time <laughs> mm, <laughs> and yeah. I thought like physician assistants. I've always heard like just through relatives and people I know who are PAs that they get more time with patients. Um, and there's less schooling, <laughs> but so I thought, oh, I'll do this, but um, an undergrad, you know, I finished it out. Um, and during undergrad, actually, I really loved writing. Like we had to do reflection journals on our clinical rotations. And I remember just being super lengthy because, you know, a lot of trying to remember and ingrain, um, what you learn in the field is also reflecting on it. And there's like studies out there showing that reflection works. Um, it's proven. So I loved writing and I thought maybe I need to just like do something, yeah, start writing or using that or developing that skill. Um, Cause I read a lot as a kid and in, in college and high school. So I, <laughs> I like to tell people I accidentally took a journalism class because <laughs> I, say, I say accidentally because I thought I was looking through the course description and I was like, man, I need a, um, 
what, what can I do on here? What's available? And I swear, I thought I saw like when it said blogging, like video, and I was like, oh, that would be really fun. So I enrolled, I got to class and I saw my professor, she handed us a syllabus and it was like newspaper writing. And I was like, what? Newspaper media writing. And I was like, what? I didn't say <laughs> I wanted to blog. I wanted to do video. And I was like, what did I, what did, did I, is this the right class? I was so confused. And I had to look up the course description and, you know, the catalog number. And I was like, I'm in the right place. So let's see how this goes. Oh, I was no. so intimidated. I was, yeah, I was so intimidated. So I told my professor after uh, that first class, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. This is like, I, I didn't hate the news. I just like, didn't, it was not something I really read a lot growing up. Yeah. Um, like my grandparents, you know, listened to like candy and like radio. And so that's the Navajo. So that was something it was kind of around my mom would make my sister and I in the morning and evening watch or at least listen to the news because she was like you all need to know what's going on in the world so we're like okay (laughs) um but the professor she was really nice and she was just really kind and saying I'll guide you I'll help you like you should just try it and I thought okay let me just go for it and this class is like in 2009 and I remember you know this is way before uh websites are super sophisticated yeah (laughs) yeah. had to actually we we wrote the story did all the reporting but we had to like draw and build like what it would look like on a website (laughs) which is funny (laughs) like actually like okay here's a video maybe it's an explainer video about this like we do a lot of explaining handwrite it (laughs) yeah so that's just super funny. And then this is a hyperlink to this other page. <laughs> exactly. Here's a photo of so-and-so. Here's like an audio of this, whatever. It was so funny. I just laughed thinking about it because I remember drawing it and like, it is, it's hilarious. Just where, where we are now, like how many years later, it, it just boggles my mind. <laughs> Um, but what we do, you know, at ICT, it's like, we're a multimedia enterprise and that's what we focus on. And it's just so funny to think, wow, (laughs) we've come a long way. Yeah. So Uh far. Yep. And then features now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's absolutely now. Um, but I think like after that, I just caught wind and I saw I had, didn't have much experience in like journalism or media multimedia like it did stuff on the side that was fun but I thought oh let me just keep doing this and and then in my back of my mind I thought this is gonna be my backup plan just in case athletic training doesn't work out (laughs) so um my professor was like a really great mentor and she was the one who introduced me to the American Indian Journalism Institute through the Freedom Forum and Chips Chips Quinn Scholars and all these other programs right um so I applied and just got in and just started uh, making up for my lack of experience through these internships and like other opportunities. Awesome. I couldn't get in the, in the classroom. Yeah. And I just caught, it just, I just caught on. I loved it. And after undergrad, I thought, I, I don't know, I, I thought I trained, I really liked, but I really got burned out. And I just didn't see that as a a lifestyle for me because much of your schedule is determined depending what what where you go into like you can work for high school or college go to an orthopedic clinic go to the military you can go anywhere 
but I just didn't see my life like fitting in any of those avenues. And it was just super time intensive. And I wanted to have a family. I wanted to travel. I'm going to do all these different things too. And journalism just journalism just kind of felt like a better fit for me and what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to learn so much about the world and you get to witness history. You know, you get to sit on the sidelines. You get to go to events for free. You get to talk all the big people and ask them really intimate questions that nobody else can do. <laughs> yeah. Any, yeah. You, you get to get close to sources where, you know, I, I didn't think about this until like recently. I'm like, you're kind of like it's professional dating. <laughs> I don't want to, I, I didn't like come that realization until just recently um, in my personal life. And I was like, oh, this is, cause you get to ask intimate questions that you can't ask anybody else yeah. or any other person. They're like, well, that's really intrusive. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I just, I just need to know. And it's my job. <laughs> You know, it's and, my and job people, to know. <laughs> yeah, it's my job to know. And also just holding people, holding those in power accountable. Um, but it's just the learning aspect every day. And I think ICT has definitely um put that in, I don't want to say overdrive, but just hyped it up even more because my former boss, well, bossish uh, and mentor Mark Trahant was really about experimenting and being innovative. And I thought it's just really, you know, it made me more excited to like try new things and see what works and what doesn't, mm-hmm. um, especially in Indian country, you know, like a lot of, there's a lot of innovation that is ahead of us. I don't think many of us have tried yet. Um, and we don't know what's going to, you know, what's going to work and what's, what's not going to work unless we try it. So yeah. um, that's the exciting part. And yeah, I think after, uh, after undergrad, I just um, worked in a nonprofit, and then I thought I need to go to grad school. Um, and this Naja uh, fellowship I got really threw me into um, journalism, and I knew then I was like, "This is for me." So I applied to grad school, and um, I only applied to two grad school too because I thought uh, I'm not paying for anything. <laughs> like one, <laughs> one is so expensive. Two, um, I had this other. Uh, this other mentor from my public health uh, fellowship, she told me, she's like, Jordan, you're an indigenous person. You're a Navajo woman. You, you know, you guys, you should not be paying for grad school. You you need to get paid to go to school. And I thought, okay. (laughs) So I really (laughs) took that to heart and thought, okay, who's going to pay for my education? (laughs) (laughs) And also my mom was, my parents were like, you're not, we're not going to pay for it. And then, you know, grad school is so expensive. Mm-hmm. So I found a fellowship at Syracuse and it just worked out from there. Um, now, yeah, I got to school and, and it's funny, like uh, right after, I think during grad school is when I visited DC and just for a spring break to visit my cousin and was here for a week. And I thought, oh, I could really live here. And now I'm living here like a handful of years later. <laughs> All your dreams are coming true. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so you did the you did the American Indian Journalism Institute. I did. What yeah. year were you? I was there in 2011. Um, 2011. And it's funny because the first year they rejected me. I was all sad. <laughs> and Chips Quinn too. They rejected me. But I was what year like, did you do Chips Quinn? Um, I oh I didn't. They rejected me. Oh, they rejected. <laughs> yeah, oh I was like it's okay. Like 
I always see it as uh, for like holy people, like the universe guiding me in a different direction. So I'm like, oh, that's going to happen. So we'll go this other way. <laughs> but um, that's funny. They're probably kicking themselves. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I hope they're. They <laughs> well, I have a couple of people ask me if I was. I was like, no, but I did AIJI or they had their journalism institute. <laughs> I did AIJI in 2002. <gasps> hey we're alumni the second year they did it I'm so old oh my god I don't know the second Uh, year definitely was probably different from when you were there and when I was there yeah how long was it when you went um I think the training was probably about 10 days and then the internship was like eight to ten weeks maybe when I went it was three weeks long what yeah we were there for three weeks oh my gosh did you guys do an internship yeah I I interned at the Seattle Times oh that's amazing that's incredible oh my god it was my first internship too I was so scared they didn't have any kind of housing situated oh my I didn't know where the hell I was gonna live I house sat for reporters on vacation all summer and there was like one night I had nowhere to stay so I stayed in my car (laughs) what oh my gosh I was like I don't know (laughs) I almost went home I was like maybe I'll just go home oh my Um, god but yeah I stuck it out it was it was a good experience Uh and I met a lady with my name that was weird her name was Luella yeah Oh my gosh Which that never happens that never I happens saying, I was like I never met anyone else <laughs> it's so bizarre but she was so nice to me and um mm-hmm. then I was like okay I'm gonna stay because mm-hmm. the lady was nice to me <laughs> oh, like, well, that's just an example of like one person can change your day yeah change you know your decisions so it was it was a, a story that I wrote about this little boy who was um, going to do his first dance. Mm-hmm. And so we did it for the seafair. They have this mm-hmm. whole big seafair thing every summer. They have all these different cultural events during that month. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. And I got on the cover of the Metro page like four times and I was like, I'm hot shit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought it was so cool. And um, like two years ago, I read this article from the Seattle Times about this boy who took his great grandma to the prom. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, my God, what a heartwarming story. And then I was reading it. I recognized the last name of the boy. And I was like wait is this grandma named Marie and I scroll down and I scroll down and her name was Marie and that woman whose name was Luella her real her they called her Marie and her real name was Luella and I was like oh my god it's the same people that I wrote about so I found the old story and I sent it to the editor and Mm -hmm. I said hey when I was an intern I wrote this story and I I don't know why, but this story made me cry. And it, when I realized it was that same little tiny boy, he was just like two years old. Oh, wow. I was like, I'm so glad I know what happened to him now. 
Yeah. Oh, it's just like full circle. It was. And he took his great grandma Marie was still alive and he took her to the prom and he rented a car like the car she had when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he took her to the prom because she didn't get to go. Oh my gosh. To her prom. So heartwarming. It was so pure. I was like, oh my God, he's such a good boy. I'm so glad he's a good boy. (laughs) I don't even know these people, but I was so glad he grew up to be a good boy. (laughs) But you're a part of their life too. And like you know, like it's you keep track, you know, of them. Yeah, there's just certain stories that you just you want to follow up on. Mm-hmm. that's very true even if oh you don't God. write a story you just kind of want to know what happened to them it, it is oh I think we're, we're humans like we want to be connected and <laughs> be in each other's business <laughs> right exactly be in, the, be in each other's business yeah. and then there's certain stories where you just you don't ever want to see those people ever again <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna um <laughs> be patient. I'm gonna be like over here nodding my head. I wrote a story about miniature horses one time. I, I hate I hate the fair and fair really? coverage. Oh oh no. Have you ever had to write for a small town paper during fair time? No, I can only imagine what it's like though. Oh my God, just it's attending the, the fair and at least on Navajo, it's just super dusty and sand everywhere. Uh, Okay. So like the state fair is just a place for all these like 4-H kids and stuff to show off their animals. (laughs) So then they have open categories for people who aren't FFA or 4-H affiliated and they get to show off their animals or their pies or the things they've sewn or their photography or whatever they want to compete in because they have categories for everything Mm -hmm. and this one lady was gonna show her miniature horses oh that's so interesting and honest to god those horses were like two feet tall oh my gosh so little they looked like dogs (laughs) well see that's the interesting part of the story (laughs) and I called her you know and you use your reporter voice and you're like hi this is Luella Brand from the blah 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 Uh um we're interested in writing a story about your miniature horses and oh she was so excited She's Mm -hmm. like, yes, come over. What time? And so we set up a time for later that afternoon for me to go over there with a photographer. And the photographer was going to be 20 minutes later than me because they had another story. Mm -hmm. And so I was driving a 1991 Ford Explorer with no muffler because I'm a poor reporter. Mm -hmm. And it... um was really really loud and I pull up to her house and I see her peek out the window when I get out of the car and then she shut the curtain Uh and so then I knocked on the door (laughs) she wouldn't answer the door oh my gosh and so then I 
I knocked again and she wouldn't answer the door. So I was like, uh, and I never took my phone into the interviews because I didn't want it to ring or anything. Mm-hmm. Giant Nokia. <laughs> so then I went back to the car, got my phone and I called her and I was like, hey, this is Luella, blah, blah, blah. And then she was like, oh, okay. And so I said, well, I'm parked outside. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I went to the door again and I saw her eyes like that had a window up on the top. I saw her eyes. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and then she like slowly opened it and she's like, Luella? And I was like, yeah. And then she was like, oh, like she was so shocked that this big brown woman was at her door in a loud ass <laughs> car. And um, so I had to still be nice to her, even though she clearly was afraid of me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my like, okay. And so then, well, then we go out back when the photographer gets there, she hitches up like eight miniature ponies to this teeny tiny, like carriage. And then she sits on the carriage and makes those tiny horses pull her around the backyard. Oh my gosh, these two foot horses. <laughs> and they were they were huffing and puffing. And I was like, these poor horses. <laughs> oh like, Give these horses some water. <laughs> I was like so glad when I left I was like never again I'm never doing fair coverage again oh and that is a funny uh that's so every year during fair like during the fair I I I suddenly get really really busy so I don't have to cover it (laughs) mysteriously busy Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a lot of work the next couple of weeks the next week for sure (laughs) I have so much stuff to do and the Mm -hmm. fair is like the one in Billings is like 11 days or something oh my gosh it's so long it's so long it is long and they have to have some interesting and amazing story every day <laughs> you do I, I only remember I'm trying to remember what fair I covered it was like the New York State Fair for grad school oh that was like one of part of our boot camp and we got into the classroom and at like 8 a.m and they're all like how here's your assignment go find a story and we're like what I'm like yeah go go to the fair go find a story here's your deadline if you pass your deadline you're fit you fail and we're like what so all of us like ran <laughs> and we had to figure out how to get there because not everyone had cars so everyone's like catching rides and just at least to get there like yeah and leaving and we had to figure out do we have to do the story there or do we not like, it was so interesting it was so fun but yeah it was very stressful <laughs> oh my god every day it's like that every day oh my gosh but it's fun you know I think it's really it's as much stress as it's worth and it's really fun just hearing the stories like you said of the little boy and and at the Seattle Times and now it's full circle and you hear about where he's at taking his great-great-grandmother to prom oh my god it was so precious (laughs) oh so precious Often that's why we do it. At least it's why I do it. It's yeah. For communities and our people. Yep. So. It's, it's, I like for me, it's about the community news. Mm-hmm. I'm not too, not too interested in na- national news. Mm-hmm. I think that's what um, I really like, at least about ICT, is we're, we, we try to be like 
local news as possible, or at least it kind of operates that way, you know, because yeah. like one story in like Montana can t- can apply to another as in like the Dakotas or in the Southwest or maybe up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, mm-hmm. it has the ability to, um, you know, cross state boundaries. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you like in working for any country, what, what as is something that you've learned that you didn't think you would have learned or su- a surprise lesson that you've, you've learned? Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> I feel like I've learned many things. <laughs> um, I think just so. the big one, hmm, there's many of them, but the one I think of like right away is I think how needed, I think just the ability to build tough, thick skin. I thought I already had thick skin, but I'm also one to wear my heart on my sleeve. <laughs> mm. um, but also just to take up space here in Washington um, because there are so many different microaggressions I experienced just as, you know, a young reporter, a female reporter, and a native reporter. And all three of them, like just being on the hill or being in hearings and walking the halls. And I mean, I think a couple of years ago, I got kicked out of the Iwo Jima, uh, nat- the park just like down the road from me. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? And the guy was so angry. I think I wrote about it um, for a column. I was just there just trying to like do a, get a broadcast story um, for 4th of July. And uh, you know, I think that's the big lesson too, is just like knowing, um, and interesting even going to the white, white house press briefing room, just like knowing that we belong there and not being ashamed and just, you know, and taking a space, asking questions, meeting people. Um, cause I think that a lot of it is just imposter syndrome yeah. um, too. So it's just quickly acknowledging that and then reminding yourself that you need to be there because your people deserve to be here. You know? Yeah. So. I have a theory about imposter syndrome. Oh, Tommy. So <clears throat> growing up a, as a native and growing up poor and growing up on the reservation, is, it's always a struggle every day. There's some kind of a struggle, 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 struggle. We're riding the struggle bus. We're driving the struggle bus. We're mm-hmm. trying to turn on the damn struggle bus, but we don't have keys half the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we become so competent at our jobs that it's no longer a daily struggle, that's when we feel like an imposter because we are so used to struggling that when we no longer have to struggle every day, we're, we're like, oh my God, I'm not struggling. I'm not supposed to be here. It's not a struggle. I have to prove myself through the struggle. I have to prove I'm supposed to be here by struggling and overcoming every day. I have to overcome something else. I, I can't prove that I would belong. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've, I, I decided in my head that I don't have to struggle every day to prove that I'm competent to prove that I belong. And sometimes if there is an obstacle, I don't even have to overcome that obstacle. I can sidestep that obstacle. Mm-hmm. 
and go around it even. Mm-hmm. And I have permission to do that because I give myself permission to do that. Not because anybody else has given me permission, but because I have given myself permission to do that because there's no such thing as imposter syndrome because if somebody didn't belong in their position, if they weren't qualified for their position, if they weren't capable of doing that job, they wouldn't have been hired. Exactly. And uh, it took me 41 years to figure it out. Uh-huh. And now you stopped the cycle with me 31 years. <laughs> we're down a decade. <laughs> so I, I share my wisdom with you. <laughs> hey, and everyone listening. <laughs> that, that completely makes sense though, because you're right. Like if we don't, if there's no struggle or no obstacle or challenge to prove ourselves, it's, it's, yeah, it's, and and it just like when it's too easy for us, like because we're there already, it's like oh, I don't, I feel like I shouldn't, I don't belong here. Yeah, but what do I do now? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, you do the job that you're chosen to do. Yeah. Like, you you just take it and lead the way, you know? Because like I you said, think, you're qualified. You want to been chosen. <laughs> I think that's why we we like to stay in jobs that are, um toxic too Mm -hmm. because that is a struggle every day to just to stay there Mm -hmm. and I gotta overcome this toxicity I gotta overcome this racism in my job I gotta overcome all of these obstacles that my supervisors put ahead of me no you could just quit the job and find a healthier workplace Mm -hmm. but we love a struggle yeah well it's also like and when you're in that place, you're just deserving or knowing you deserve to be there. It's part of like trying to believe that too. Yeah. Because not only you're fighting like your tiny voice, but maybe voices of people you heard, you know, all these outside influences and all that noise fills mm-hmm. most of the head rather than your own voice. Telling oh, you yeah. That. It's because mm-hmm. we're constantly told we don't belong everywhere we go. They're all chirping. You don't belong mm-hmm. here. You don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like all about that confidence and knowing that you belong. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. It's hard to be brown in America. <laughs> yep. It's hard to be indigenous. Yep. In America for sure. But, you know, I think there's, there's, there's so much like for us to do and so much room and so much growth we're already doing right now. I think it's really amazing to see in like every sector and industry and as you know individuals but also like just as a people it's so beautiful I don't know oh, I, yeah. I like oh it's so beautiful listening I think that's what I really like about my job is of course we have to like keep in tap like about everything that's going on mm-hmm. so it's just this really huge upward trend that's happening now yeah it's a breath of fresh air I'm like yes you go you go Glen Coco yeah exactly <laughs> and and it's it's nice to be able to to look around and see that's what I like about working in the news is it's nice to look around and see all the progress in the community mm-hmm. because it feels like I'm the first one who gets to see it 
as a as a writer of news it feels mm-hmm. like i get to be the first one to see it you do and then uh, write about it and share that share that good news mm-hmm. um but then i also have to share the bad news like the car wrecks and the yeah and, and the embezzlement and the yeah that's the hard stuff yeah the hard stuff the the difficult stuff this and then covering my own community the stuff my relatives do mm-hmm. in office <laughs> that's when it gets hard (laughs) that's when you ride the struggle bus (laughs) your blood relations and relations you can like turn turn away from (laughs) that's when i need need to hire a white guy to do that kind of news (laughs) hey get that white intern over here he needs to write this story. He needs to learn. <laughs> if I do, your turn. <laughs> I'm the editor. I don't have to write this. <laughs> that that is just the fact that it's so interesting. Like you, like that flip though, and it you know saying I need to hire a white guy. <laughs> Whereas like automation now is like we need to hire an indigenous affairs reporter, and it's like what. Yeah, we need, to, we need to hire an Indian to write this Indian news. Nope, I need to hire a white guy to to write all my bad news. <laughs> he can be the villain. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, you know, but I, it, it's just—I think that's the great thing too about the job. Just seeing a lot of the messiness and the complexity you know, of life and, and just like of Indian country too. It's not only black and white, there's tons of gray mm. in it, you know? Um, and just, I love learning. And I'm, I don't know if you, you'll probably like this. I love learning about the world through other people's perspectives, mm-hmm. um, just seeing where they come from and their beliefs. I think it's very interesting and it just, you know, you're always, <laughs> it makes this job even more fun and like, and challenging, but in a great way. <laughs> oh Yeah it's it's uh, um it's like looking through i don't know it's like looking through someone else's prescription mm, and you see yeah. the world a, a whole different way yeah it is it is it's fun i really i really enjoy it <laughs> so what is what's one thing that that kind of a horror story you have from going out and covering the news what's one time when you were like you screwed up or you messed up or you oh my gosh oh that's a nobody's asked me that question oh we love to talk about when we mess up yeah we do (laughs) and well and I'm all I'm a huge advocate for mistakes because it's the only way we learn you know you don't really learn from your successes oh that's a good one man hmm you really caught me on that question. I know I'm not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. <laughs> Whenever someone asks me that, I get like a flood of all the things I messed up and then I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> I know that's probably what's happening. And I can only think of like the time, the little times I've done something, um, like all the, like the little instances. And I was like, oh, 
dang it, I need to fix that. Or I had to like admit, I'm like, oh, my story needs a correction. Dang. And like, oh, I hate that. Yeah. Oh, that's what I, I just like cringe. Like when my stories need a correction, I'm like, why? Oh, <laughs> why? Um, I would rather get something factually wrong than get somebody's name wrong. Oh, that's true. hundred <laughs> percent. I had a, I had a reporting teacher in college, um, Michael Downs, and he would give us an F on our assignment. If we got someone's name wrong. That's the same. Yep. Grad school is an instant zero. Like if he spelled and it he wrong. would, I don't know how the hell he would know everybody's name. <laughs> uh, how do you, how do you know what their name is? But he would know. Yeah. I oh guess he was at it for so long. He just would know everyone in the community's name. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, I got like a lot of zeros in that class. Oh first my- half of the semester. Oh, no. And I got really good at, at knowing people's names. Yeah. Second you know, half asking, I pulled through. And asking to, I thought people, they always, you know, professors would know to go, throw good examples of like, all right, her name's Ashley, but how is it spelled? Because there's so yeah. many friends spell Ashley. <laughs> I just, I just make people print their name on my notebook. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. exactly. Just write your name on my notebook. Make sure to print it so I can read it. We don't want to get your name wrong. Exactly. And I'd like read it back to them. I'm like, B-R-I or, or like A-S-H-L-E-E or something like that. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I think the horror story maybe I have is um, not necessarily like where I made it, probably made a mistake. I'm pretty sure I made a mistake here was when I went to go cover Standing Rock. Um, <laughs> I like said I don't know if I should say this on air (laughs) I pretty much in my head say screw you I'm leaving (laughs) because my editors at the time like would not I kept trying to advocate and and saying like that standard rock should be covered and it's you know a very important issue for um, the Haudenosaunee community up there because you're living in the middle of their territory like you are at the heart of the confederacy like what do you not understand about that um, this was just before, like, everyone, like, mainstream was, like, thinking it was an important issue. Like, they would, they didn't even know what's going on, you know? Yeah. Um, and I remember just, like, advocating for, like, a couple of weeks. I wrote, like, a three-page pitch letter and gave them tons of ideas of what we could do. They didn't do it, and they are giving me, like, I, I don't know. Now I'm, like, now I'm in the manager position. I'm, like, yeah, maybe it wasn't the smartest idea for me in the <laughs> grad school because they're saying there's like insurance issues with it. And I was like, what? And I was like, well, I could just go. <laughs> so finally, after advocating, I got so tired of it. I was like, all right, I'm leaving. Bye. I'll see you like in a week. <laughs> I'm going. Yeah. Here's my phone number. Um, I just will cover me. <laughs> exactly. Really? I was like, I'm just hospital out there anyway. So it's fine. <laughs> so I like drove. Yeah. I just drove with like a couple of, of like women I met and we, yep, took off North Dakota. I just and- drove with some random strangers to North Dakota. <laughs> nothing big. I nothing big. I had nothing big. That was one. I think that was one because I like just didn't think if I lost the internship, doesn't matter. But now I'm like, oh, maybe it does matter because <laughs> yeah. nobody would hear our stories. And it's just like balancing that. The other thing was I went, oh my gosh, this is a really bad one now that I brought that up and going places with strangers. <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) It was my final project in grad school. And I had to do this story in like deer management because they're trying to control the deer population Mm. in Syracuse. But like we had, I had to like look at other communities who solve that issue, you know, air quotes or that issue because it's just, you know, a lot of non-native people saying they're eating my flowers, <laughs> but you're also built anyways, you're built in their habitat. Like, I don't understand, but so I had to go to Ithaca, which is like near Cornell university. It's like 45 minutes South of Syracuse. So I, and my professor was like, just go talk, you know, go eat at the diner, go talk to people, go to stores, just start chatting up. And I was like, all right, cool. I can do that. Um, and I went to this like boutique and I started talking to this woman and I started looking around the store and this couple came in and I heard them say New Mexico while talking to her. And I was like, oh, I'm from New Mexico. So I started talking to this couple, they were exact sources I needed. And I was like, hey, can I like, you know, can I interview blah, blah, blah. Like I'm doing the story. And they said, sure. Like, can you come on by? Like, here's our address. I was like, yeah, sure. It was like eight o'clock at night, freaking dark. I'm like in the thick of this forest and I go to their house by myself. It's just danger. I know. And And later I was like, and I told my, and I did tell, I don't know if I didn't tell my parents where I was. I think I did. I was like, oh, I'm going for the story. And later (laughs) I told my mom the story. She's like, Jordan, you went to a stranger's house at night and I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think about that. <laughs> in a forest? A forest, yeah. Have you and not I, watched Dexter? <laughs> I know. No, I have not. But now I'm like, maybe I should. <laughs> but, you know, I think that was, like, one of the, I think, the big, like, oh, oh, crap moments where I'm like, all right, I really got to pay attention to my own safety because even, I think that's just, like, part of the job, but we also have to take care of ourselves in that way. Like we go into we go into danger without me thinking about it sometimes just because we know we have a responsibility. Um and it's something, you know, I really try to implement or at least tell reporters like when they're going out, like making sure you're taking care of yourself and watching out for yourself too. Yeah. Because you know like that's just that's just the world we live in. Yeah, you gotta um, balance that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But speaking, that was like, yeah. Speaking of balance, <laughs> we do cover a lot of um, traumatic stuff, whether mm-hmm. it be car wrecks or community. Like, I remember when Dalton covered the mass shooting in um, his own community years mm-hmm. ago. Um, MMIW cases so like what do you do to either recover or heal from from covering events like that mm-hmm. um like personally yeah um I cry <laughs> for like if if it's there if I'm there like covering it it's such a hard story I feel like there's no choice like you have to keep your composure yeah and just do it the best way you can because then in that moment for me I think it's not about me it's like about the source and their story first so I have to give them space to like feel and tell and I I think it's part of the you know responsibility um but then like after when I go to my car I come back to my home that's when I let it out Mm -hmm. (laughs) I cry I like go run I pray um I call somebody I trust or I call a colleague 
um, or mentor just like tell them what happened. Um, I, I really like a, a solo dance party. So I'll sometimes dance stuff out. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, dance stuff out. Or I, I'm also like, you know, I, I go to therapy. So I like talk to my therapist about it. So it's like, a, you know, a multitude like of things, but it's hard. I definitely agree with that. And I think even it's so hard, even this last year of like covering like residential schools um, and boarding schools and going throughout traumatic his- history, it's, it's tough. I know one of our reporters who is covering it, she, uh, they, they even said, you know, I need to take a break. Like, this is a lot of heavy stuff. And they had like a few interviews back to back. So we just said, all right, like, we'll give you space. Like, just let us know when you're back, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a lot like at least that's what yeah so that's what I do there's it's, it's a variety of things but mostly I feel like I have to cry just yeah, to let it out, let it, out. it is I've, I've been covering a lot of MMIW cases MMIP cases and honestly if I didn't have my counselor I don't know if I could even cover them oh yeah they're they're it's, hard mm-hmm. especially in your own community that is I don't know how Dalton covered that that mass shooting in his that school shooting and way up there in Red Lake when that mm-hmm. happened because I think we were all still students or we had just finished school mm-hmm. god that was so long ago I think we just finished school or we were just about to graduate mm-hmm. and he went back home and covered it and did a phenomenal job with it but I don't know how he did it because that was home mm-hmm. um and in covering cases here in, in like the hot spot for mmiw cases like these are people i know these are people i grew up with these are girls that my kids went to school with mm-hmm. and it's like when interviewing families and like i can't i can't even keep my composure sometimes i just have to cry with them and take that moment because mm-hmm. it gets really heavy yeah yeah I think that's no I think that's good too to do it like to show the emotion that if it like if it's that heavy because I think for our sources they forget that journalists are humans <laughs> yeah I really think so I think they forget that we are part of their community because they see like tv shows or movies where journalists are gotta get the story gotta get the story i'm on a deadline gotta get the story and they think we're all like hardcore crazy tv people but doggy dog and we're out to get them and yeah yeah like we're these robots that produce Mm -hmm. news we're mm-hmm. people <laughs> feelings you feel and we you have know, feelings <laughs> but that i think you know that makes this more suitable for the job you know um, yeah. and it just brings out like the accuracy and brings out the real story of it too i know i think so it's I think that's what makes indigenous journalism different uh, from what I like to call white man journalism. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think it's, so. it's so different. <laughs> but and so in in going to grad school for journalism, what 
what did you how was it different from like your undergrad experience in in the learning style or the teaching style um honestly it was a little bit easier because <laughs> I only say that just because our the athletic training programs now they're being um moved to like a master level just because of how intense it is for it's really time intensive mm-hmm. I can't I had there are so many times I had to like work 12 13 14 hour days and that's just waking up for a meeting and going to classes and then squeezing in like a 15 minute lunch sometimes, or like 30 minutes if you're lucky. And then taking care of athletes a whole afternoon, going to the practices and games, taking care of them after. And then you still have to go home and eat and do homework or study or whatever. Um, And that was like constantly. So grad school was like a little bit. uh, So I knew like my study habits then, and it was just like a little bit easier to manage my time. Um, so I started freelancing to like help also pay for like rent <laughs> and stuff, um, have some spending money and the learning style, I think it was just a lot of, um, conversation. Cause it was like, I liked athletic training because you could, it was very hands-on mm-hmm. and I really, I'm a, what's, what's the word called? Like a kinesthetic tactile. Tactile, yeah, t- tactile learner. I was like, whoa, I haven't used that word for a while. <laughs> but I'm a very tactile learner. Um, so it was really different in that sense. So I had to get used to like a, like audio. Um, I'm not really a great audio listener, but I listen to podcasts to kind of strengthen that. <laughs> yeah. Learning ability. And then writing was fine. Conversations are conversations, yeah, are great. I love them. It was just, it was different. I don't know, but I like to call it trade school for writing. Pretty much. Oh my gosh. It's like trade school. It's very um, utilitarian. It's Mm -hmm. very um, like you learn the forms, the different forms of writing Mm -hmm. and you learn, you learn the style and we got quizzed on AP style. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. We had like a quiz every morning Every morning during, like, we had boot camp at the beginning of the year. Gosh, I, we have read a current events quiz. Mm-hmm. So we had to like read the events and make, and, and you don't know where they're coming from. No, because you, you have to stay up to date on everything. Exactly. And then you have to read the AP style book like it's a Bible. <laughs> exactly. And, and uh, I had a, I had a, um, like a leg up on everybody because I went to AIJI and we, I already had that AP style book knowledge mm-hmm. and um, was already like used to having to read current events. Cause we had current events quizzes there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, it was, yeah, it was like total trade school. So then I did a year of grad school after like in two, when, when you were in undergrad, I started grad school and I did a year Mm-hmm. and I hated it because mm-hmm. I went from utilitarian brevity um, citing your sources immediately like quick hit writing to academic blah 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 oh, complex yeah. sentence writing filled yeah. with just filler words nonsense and 
I was like, you guys are wasting so much, so much space on this page. And they're like, this is academic writing, Luella. This is not journalistic writing. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's wasting so much space. We could put so much more information in this paper. (laughs) So they'd ask for like five pages and I'd give them two and a half pages, but it would have everything they wanted in it. Oh, and then they're like, okay, now fill it up with filler words and academic style writing. And I'm like, but I can't. So (laughs) interesting. I'm like, why, why would they teach that? That, That's so interesting. It's nonsense. Yeah, it is. I I mean, I don't think I'm like, I'm like, that definitely wasn't my, (laughs) my grad school experience. Cause I I like, I liked a new house. I, I like a new house because they have a lot of professors who are still in the industry. You know, yeah. Well, I went to grad or... school for PR. Oh, okay. Okay. But it wasn't, it was all theory. Yeah. It See, was, that, that yeah. definitely makes sense. Yeah. We'd have very little, it was like very applicable. Like we would write a story to like get published like somewhere. Yeah. Um, so it was very, yeah. And it was like, and that's what I really liked about the professors being already still in the industry just because they knew what was changing and what was happening at the time. And they would share that with us. You know, they bring their professional experience in the classroom. Um, I mean, of course, we still had to like read some theory, media law we had to take. Um, oh God, media law. Oh my gosh, that was a- that was, Shoot me now, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I can't on here. <laughs> I was like, that was a nightmare. <laughs> my, one of my favorite classes was senior seminar, which was the ethics class. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love ethics. It was, I love and hated it. Was so good. Yeah, it was a love hate class. Uh-huh. And then um, journalism and literature. Oh. We just read all these different books that had portrayals of journalists in it. Mm-hmm. So we got to read like um, A River Runs Through It and The okay. Right Stuff. And nice. Oh, what's that Capote book with the killer oh, in I Cold know. Blood? Oh, see, yeah. those ones, and I don't. <laughs> and it was a good class, man. The reading list for that class was phenomenal. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, we had I had some fun classes. I had really terrible grades up until I got to journalism school. Then I had A's and D's. You're like, yes, that's how you know. You're like, I'm made for this. <laughs> yeah, because it was like, what am I gonna do with philosophy? <laughs> Plato's cave yeah <laughs> I'm sorry but it oh. it's just about codependency I'm sorry <laughs> one word <laughs> I sum it up I don't need to write a paper on it <laughs> yeah I just codependency and giant words on my little blue book test that is a funny oh my gosh I, I, I think my favorite one of my favorite classes was magazine writing um and oh. edit two of them yeah I had to do two separate classes but I really enjoy the professors. They're so great to work with. Um, but that when you're talking about the different styles of writing, that's where I learned like, oh, this, this is like the structure of magazines. It, it, it's so interesting. And I, I love long form writing and I love mm-hmm. um, doing profiles. I mean, that's where I just fell in love with, with, you know, getting intimate with sources and their story and getting to know them and bringing that out and like putting it into words you know, showing them like, this is what the, this person's like, you know, this is what the celebrity's like. <laughs> what I 
hate writing, but I'm really good at writing is a feature obit. Oh, uh, I agree. I'm the same way. I hate writing them. I hate it, but I'm so good at it. <laughs> and I'm like, why? <laughs> no, you develop, I think you develop, you know, your storytelling skills from there. I feel like, cause even, yeah. um, at least that's what, that's what I want to do for the future. Like when we have more interns is oh, I hate to do it, but it's necessary because they need to learn how to talk to sources, but also build that narrative writing. Yeah. And, that starts, and that starts with obits. And it gives you a lot, like a ton of confidence to be able to talk to a source for an obituary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's like, I don't want to talk to them. Oh, but you have to. It's yeah. trial by fire. <laughs> Sorry, little Padawan, but you have to. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and, and it trains them to pull out the story. Like, what would you want to know about the person? Yep. You know, if you, you can't know them, so how are you going to? express that you know on let's say on paper but in pixels yeah, <laughs> in this in, case in the pixel world exactly so speaking of interns if somebody is interested in um a career in journalism and they're on the fence what would you tell them to get them to on the, on the on good the, side on the good <laughs> side i call pr the dark side that's oh <laughs> for sure <laughs> um oh my goodness you know journalism I think I said in the beginning um you know a lot of like the indigenous journalists I've met every single one of them you know they do it for the people and I think it's a really journalism you know we're we serve as public servants uh we serve the people we serve our communities and we also hold those accountable too um, you know, that's the main person, you know, purpose of it is to find the truth and just to get to the bottom of it. Um, but mainly it's just serving your community. And this is like another way people can do that. You know, you don't have to do it through medicine or you don't have to do it through being a lawyer, even those are great professions, like hundred percent, like we need them. Um, you know, this is an opportunity just to get to know people and to talk to people, uh, especially in your community. Um, so you get to witness history, you know, on the sidelines, you don't get to read about it in the textbooks or on your phone, you get to be there in person and witness it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. Like, for example, in November, I got to go see the hundredth um, anniversary of ceremony for the hundredth anniversary of the tomb of the unknown soldier. And that's where the Crow tribe, like they, um, or representatives of the Crow tribe attended and did a ceremony. And it was the first time like the public has been in that plaza where the tomb of the unknown soldier was. And just to witness that and feel it, feel the energy there and feel the respect. And it was just, you know, a really incredible experience. And I was so happy I went. Um, It was very powerful. Um, And I think, you know, you get to be part of those, you know, events like that. You get to write about it and tell people how, you know, what it was like to be there. Yeah. So, so um, I would definitely encourage people to feel like witnessing history and go to the events for free. <laughs> I know it's the free part that gets me. <laughs> I tell people that it combines my fav- three favorite loves, mm-hmm. writing, visiting people and air conditioning. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness. So oh my gosh. Well, that, that's very true. It's very true. And like I said, you get to learn. It's, I feel like it's also like a free education. Oh, like you, for sure. You, you get to research stuff. You get to like find out like, like not only fulfill your own like curiosities, but like curiosities like beyond you that people should know about. Um, I mean, it's great. You get to, you know, learn a little bit about everything and talk and talk, but also listen to people too. Cause people love to talk and they just need somebody to listen who will listen to them. Yeah. And it feels like you valid, you're validating people all the time when you just sit and listen to them. Oh, exactly. Exactly. That feels good. It does. My first story when I was at internship in Syracuse was on postpartum depression, or in this case, post the woman had postpartum psychosis. So after she had her baby, she went to like a deep depression where she became suicidal. Um, gosh. Yeah. And she was telling about her whole experience and she was, she started crying and as an intern, I was like, I don't know what to do. But then in that moment, I was like, let me just be a human and just sit here and just like, give her that space, you know, and just, just be there with her. Um, so I just had to sit there and ask her, like, do you need anything? You know, she's like, no, no, I I just need to cry. And I was like, okay. So I just sat there and just waited. Um, that was a really moving experience. And I, that's when I knew like, Oh, I did. I'm meant to be here. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, powerful moment. I know it was, it was because they just, I just need to be validated. Yeah. Sometimes you're, you may be the one person they're able to open up to because nobody wants to listen to them. Yeah. Story, you know? Yeah. Um, It's crazy what people will tell you if you just sit and listen. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm a huge, like, I, I love, I don't know, in interviews, like, you know, you ask a question and you give extra space or extra silence <laughs> and just that's where the money quotes are every single time. Nope. Nobody, I don't know. I like, I don't mind silence. It's fine, but some people don't like it. So sources will fill up that space. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be writing, trying to finish their quote <laughs> and then they just keep talking. So I just keep writing mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's never like on purpose. I'm never just like being quiet just to encourage them to talk. It's just like, I don't write as fast as they talk, but then they just keep talking and I'm like, okay, keep talking. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, it's, it's my favorite part. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. And uh, thank you to Indian Country Today for sharing content. We run some of the stories on Four Points Press. So appreciate that. Oh, love, of love having that. Um, and um, congratulations on your new position. Thank you. Thanks and, so much. Um, if I have anything to share with you guys, I'll send it over. Oh, definitely. Send it, send it away and we'll share it. And just appreciate you doing this podcast and for all the work you do too I hear really great things about you so finally nice it's it's really nice to like finally meet you or virtually yeah and (laughs) have a combo exactly I have have some coffee too and it feels like I'm talking to like a cousin or an aunt (laughs) I know I'm everyone's favorite auntie hey there you go (laughs) not in that perverted auntie way either 
Oh no. And that fun <laughs> cigarette smoking loud auntie way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we need to get you a, a coffee mug for that now. Right. <laughs> I have a coffee it. mug that says real nosy. My friend made it for me. <laughs> hey, we gotta get you one that says I'm my favorite auntie or I'm everyone's favorite auntie. <laughs> right. Oh my god, that'd be great. <laughs> All right. I better let you get back to work. Um, and, uh, anytime you want to come back, let me know. Oh, definitely. Thanks for having me again. All right. You have a great day. You too. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. This has been a four points media production. Your host is Luella Bryn audio production by Eric Bigman Bryn four points media exists to entertain and inform the public as well as lift indigenous voices in authentic ways. We can be found at Instagram.com at Four Points Press, on Facebook at Four Points Press, Twitter at Newsy Crow Girl, PayPal at Four Points Media, Patreon at Four Points Press, and on our website at fourpointspress.com. Thank you for listening.